0: Welcome back to The Drop, this is Michael Saramella, back from a two-week hiatus, and I'm sure you guys didn't miss me, but I certainly missed you, and I'm really excited for Buck to join me soon. We're going to talk about everything that happened this week in surfing, which includes more about Zeke Lau I know we've been talking about him a lot even before I left we were talking about him there's just been a lot going on with this guy but this time it's going to be less of us sharing our opinions and more of Zeke sharing his side of the story we got on the phone with him last week we did a really good interview which is now live on the site you can go read that but we have a six minute snippet in here that we think you're really going to like and maybe even change some opinions uh, we're gonna talk a little bit more about super tubos buck has some kind of new insights on what's going on down there The scene on the beach what the waves could be like, etc. We're also going to talk about inflatable vests We basically have the full story of where they came from uh, Who's responsible for them which different companies have them and the weird patent debate going on around them uh, We're also going to break down probably one of the most interesting and maybe the first true like viral surf videos of course you know the one sterling spencer jeremy flores most people listening to this podcast if you're above the age of 25 i'm sure it was a big part of your childhood as it was with mine Uh, so we're gonna get the story behind that what all went down why it was such a big deal and why it really shouldn't have been a big deal when you hear the the reason behind it all Uh, We're also going to break down some of the big deals that have been going down in surfing. We know that Balter just got its next payout. A few companies joined, uh, or sorry, became B Corporations, which we're going to try to explain what that means. And also the board riders acquisition that's going on along with some sponsor changes. So with that, let's bring Buck in and yeah, let's drop in. Mikey Ciremele, you're back in our studio,
1: our very deluxe studio. Uh, You are married you are partied and you are married you had a bachelor party you had a wedding i saw an effigy of you just a big thing in your face on the internet and i thought that was really cool but i wanted to give you a heads up don't get in any political trouble because that's like people (laughs) love lighting those things on fire man
0: yeah that's a really good point um i should probably take those down before i go for the city council in playa hermosa
1: it, it really puts you in awkward when you have a an oversized construction of your face or your being in some form it really puts you in a weird position you can't you can't fuck up too bad from here on out because if you do that thing is uh, it's gonna get light on fire
0: yeah it's true it's a really good point um, but thank you buck I'm happy to be back I had a great time I had a great wedding I had an amazing bachelor party as well we got really good waves Um, the pineapples were, uh, expressing themselves really well. So it was, yeah, it was a huge success. It was a great two weeks. I would have no idea
1: how to balance surfing and a bachelor party. I, those two things usually exist on two different sides of a spectrum for me. Um, I hope that people were able to find that line. It was
0: a lot more of the, the former, the surfing part. I think we were in bed most nights by like, 10 or 10.30, because we were getting up at 5.30 to go surf. It's It was like, you know, we're, we're in a place where the waves are generally best in the morning with the winds and whatnot. And we had a crew that was pretty surf-centric. We still, you know, we still had fun. We, we ended up doing most of the drinking and that sort of activities in the afternoon. So you just pass out at, like, 9 o'clock, and it's great. Mikey, in your absence, we've got some updates. Uh, it's not
1: that you're being replaced by Paul Evans, Snake, or Danny. Oh, thank God. It's that we have pad advice for you oh yes when you left the show left the program you were concerned about a a situation that many surfers have found themselves in and that is just a pad a part of a traction pad deciding to kind of peel off peel out if you will so we decided to consult sad pads the experts in i don't know what you call it it's not quite just traction the experts in depressed traction in just traction in its most obscure artful sometimes sometimes really just repulsive forms traction it's many strange forms sad pads greatest page on instagram in my opinion um basically they wrote a nice message to us explaining your situation and as a reminder mikey like we said he had part of his pad missing what the experts in this field recommend you do in this situation is that you just find a proper replacement to that part you don't Rip it off, start anew. You find another piece that can kind of fit right in there. And then Franken-pad the rest of it when you
0: need to. How do you feel about that? It kind of... It stunned me, I'll say. Wait, so they're saying get like a new pad? Or like take a pad off an old board? Or what are they... What's the thing? They're here?
1: saying you have to get a new pad. A fresh pad. I mean, I, I thought they'd go... First of all, I've never been too proud to rip a pad off a board and superglue it back down to a new one in my life. I've done that multiple times. That's not what they recommended. They used to get a fresh pad. Go get a full new pad and find a piece that can sit in that vacated space. So, yeah, it kind of stunned me.
0: bit elitist. So, okay, okay. So, new pad, but don't put the whole thing on. You just fit the piece in where the other piece is missing. That's interesting. See, I thought they might go the route of a recent post where – Somebody built an entire traction pad out of the little samples that are on the outside of the traction uh, when you're at the surf shop, so you can feel it. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I thought they may say fill the gap with that. Yeah. But um, but this is an interesting one because then you're you're now left with whatever two thirds of a brand new pad, and what do you what do you do with that? I guess you have to figure it out.
1: Uh, he has some advice there. Channel your inner Christian Fletcher and get some front kick up there. He says pretty much just use it however you see fit. Um dangerous I, I guess maybe he's just trying to get more content for his page because this is wild to me i did not expect this i didn't expect we're gonna go to the store we're gonna give 30 bucks 40 bucks are 50 bucks how much are pads out uh and get a new one and just go crazy with it but hey they're the experts
0: so i defer to them all right well with that i guess i have to go find myself a new pad i'll strap it on and we'll see how it goes good luck let's get to the news
1: First up, it's time to hear Zeke Lau's side of the story. No, no, no. Stories. Title has that in there. Fun, right? It's not just one story, it's more. (laughs) All right. Zeke has been involved in a few controversial incidents uh, lately and throughout his career. And so we recently got a thing, which I thought was so polite. Basically, if you unsubscribe from STAB Premium, you're prompted to give us some feedback if you'd like. We saw that Zeke did that, and his feedback was, because you guys fucking suck. <laughs> that might sound mean, but, hey, he could have done that publicly. You know, he is just, in the past few weeks, since his interference in- incidents in Hawaii, he's just been on our homepage with, like, a title that makes him look poorly. Like, he could have just screenshotted that and been like, hey, fuck you, Stab, on Instagram. Instead, he just politely wrote it to us in a way that i don't know i thought that was nice i legitimately thought that was if you felt that way wow it's kind of nice of this guy to not just lash out publicly because that would have been way more of a mess anyway it kind of reminded us to go oh shit like we have been painting zeke Lau in a poor light of late let's call him and just hear how he makes sense out of all this so that is exactly what holden did holden ruka trinka um And we're going to hear from Zeke right now. On the latest STAB podcast, your previous coach, Jake Patterson, had some really, really good things to say about you and your surfing. He said Mm -hmm. you could make finals day at sunset with your eyes closed and that you're an incredibly hard worker. He also said that he's seen the pressure of surfing on the CT really get to you and lead you to make decisions you normally wouldn't. And it seems like you've spoken about being under pressure your whole career. Uh, With a baby on the way, in addition to the mid-year cut, do you feel like that pressure is kind
2: of amplified? Well, you know Jake probably knows me better than a lot of a lot of guys. He's seen me take that big leap from the Q's and get on tour, and that's where most of my growing happened. I feel like, because then it was like, oh, I'm not just going out to surf. I got to figure out how to beat the best in the world. And you know, Jake kind of groomed me into a world tour surfer actually, because when I got there, I definitely was not. And he taught me the whole game, so he knows me better than anyone. But. You know, as far as pressure goes, I think I've felt it a lot and not because of other people put pressure on me. It's just because I put pressure on myself. You know, I feel like I have the talent to be at the top and when I'm not there, I have the talent to be at the top and I also put in a lot of work. So you put in a lot of work, I'm naturally going to expect to do good when I get to the contest and then when I don't, then it's just like, I just let myself down. I wasted a bunch of time. I'm spending all my money. Like, you know, I'm like, I feel all of it. I'm doing a lot of it alone, like on my own as well. Like, Jake was my coach back then, but especially now, like he's not coaching anymore. So I'm doing everything on my own. So even more so, I feel like a lot of the pressure, which kind of leads me to last year. Last year, I like built everything up from like falling off tour, two years of COVID and then like came from this weird reality show then requalified on the challenger series and then i felt like i had a lot to prove that i changed and i got up better at surfing that i'm not just some clown that did some reality show i was just doing whatever it took to get me back on tour as quick as possible and i feel like when i got there i put a lot of expectation and pressure on myself to perform not only well but just like a certain way and i wanted to like smoke guys more than just make heats you know and at that level, it's honestly, you can't do that. Your main goal at that high, of, at that level, when it's that high, is just do whatever it takes to make that heat that's in front of you. And just yeah. keep doing it, keep doing it, keep doing it. But I feel like that all just got to me really quick. And usually you have a whole year to like work yourself out of that, you know. But last year and, the, you know, with this year coming up, you only got five events. If you don't figure it out. Guess what? You're right back on the QS you gotta start the whole thing over again so last year was a huge growing year for me mentally Um, especially after the whole Jacob thing happened I feel like that was just my breaking point to where like I was feeling it so much lost at bells in a close heat my board was like my board hit me in the face blew my whole face up (laughs) for that heat against Connor like I felt like just a lot was going against me and I was just fighting it so my whole mentality is like, when I'm fighting, you bite that, you bite down and you fucking fight harder. You know what I mean? You just like, you just make that shit happen, basically. And that was my whole approach. And when I got to Margaret River, I got there early. I was surfing a lot. And I was just trying to grind through it and just told myself, you know, I'm going, I'm going to make it. There's no doubts. You're just going to surf as hard as you can and pull it off. And then you have a warm up session where there's not many waves. You're trying to practice. There's... Freaking every single person that competes on this tour is in the water and it's dark, and there's only like three ways every freaking half an hour. You're scrapping for ways, whatever. I'm in this fight or flight, fight or flight mentality, and an altercation happens, and I wig out. At the end of the day, what I did was wrong, and I understood that. I kind of felt that immediately, but at the same time, like I'm fighting for my career, so I don't really care. I don't really care about being wrong. Because to me, at the end of the day, if you win and you do what you're supposed to do, then all's forgiven and I was just freaking being who I had to be to, you know, get the job done, basically. And it wasn't pretty. It was freaking horrible. And that after that happened, everything just crumbled. I had more pressure on myself. People were writing crazy shit about me online. I felt just horrible ended up sitting down with Jacob and talking about it and we worked it out and I still felt shitty after. And I tried to compete, but it was it was gone already. And I realized like, what kind of person do I wanna be? Do I wanna be, you know, if, if I lose everything right now, do I just wanna be that asshole that just was just an asshole on tour and no one liked? Or do I just wanna be a good person and no matter if I win or lose, like just, feel good about myself and know that i'm trying hard you know i don't have to fight everything that's in front of me so i went through that whole thing last year and it was it was taxing emotionally mentally yeah and took a lot of changing and growing but you know then i won the us open i felt like that told me that i got over it and you know i was able to just get back to why i was doing it and it's just because i love it you know and the tour would teach you a lot of things. You know, you gotta grow up and nowadays, everything that you do, say at that level, is gonna be seen and you're gonna be exposed on, you know, in ways that you didn't even think so. So it was just a big learning lesson for me and, you know, I accept it, you know, I was wrong, but you know, at the end of the day, I am who I am and you know, I wear my heart on my sleeve, you know, it's just, you know, I make mistakes I don't complain about it. I take it on the chin and I try and learn from it and just grow and keep moving.
0: This, okay, so this was an hour long interview that Holden did with Zeke and you can read basically the the extended version on the site and it's really good. Um, and this was such an insightful interview for me to hear because you know, you see something happening in front of you and you make your own assumptions based on it. And in some cases, you even hear the other person's assumptions in Kyle's case when he goes on after the heat to talk about what he thought Zeke was doing and why. Um, But yeah, it just goes to show there are two sides to every story. And not to say that, like, I mean, yeah, Zeke said that, no, I didn't do the Kyle thing on purpose, but it's more getting to the meat of why he is this way in heats. And when you read the whole interview, You basically get to hear Zeke talk about who his heroes were growing up, um, a lot of them being these tough Hawaiian figures, you know, like a Sonny or a Johnny Boy Gomes. And basically, the way that they reached such great heights in his eyes was by being this aggressive, staunch sort of surfer who didn't take shit from anyone and kind of took whatever wave they wanted. But then there's also this really interesting introspection on Zeke's part where he's like, but okay now you look at where these people are in their lives and in a lot of cases they're either dead or they're not doing well or, or whatever and he's like and i don't really want that for myself so it sounds like zeke is really looking at this whole thing and being like okay you know i could continue to be this way but what does it lead to that's not a future i want for myself he just had a kid um so it looks like he's really trying to turn a corner and i think that that's one a really big step it's really hard for people to change or to admit that they are wrong, I'm bad at it as well. So yeah, good on you, Zeke. And I guess to the point of our commenters, actions speak louder than words. So it'll be interesting to see him put some of these like thoughts and beliefs into action. We'll see what the rest of the season looks like for him.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, well said. I mean, I, I've i had some 1st experience with Zeke. There's even a line in there about how people who've worked with him say that he's great. And that's been my experience. I still feel like I learned a ton about him through this. Uh, it's a long one. Our site marks it as a fifteen-minute read, and I remember when I first when it first came to me and I was editing it, I was like, okay, like interview. It doesn't have to be 6,000 words, whatever it is. Like, let's see what we got here. Cut it up, and then I was like, oh shit, it kind of does. Like, especially it's just Zeke really opened up, and it's it's an incredible read. So I recommend you go check it out. And uh, to kind of close a loop here. We, I went ahead and I reactivated Zeke's subscription because I think he was happy with us. So we closed that. And then the interview also, you kind of mentioned it, but in the intro, it talks about how basically when Holden caught up with Zeke, his child wasn't born yet. And so he had this decision to make between, oh shit, do I, I don't want to miss the, you know, my firstborn's first moment of their life. And I also am coming up on a mid-year cut and have poor results so far so update there he had the kid and he got to portugal on time so he got to get both and um yeah it's
0: go read this thing it's great is he gonna go full like dad strength mode just right right off the bat in portugal and get like a semi or something
1: imagine if you add strength to him <laughs> just if 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 Dad's Rate normally doubles it for people, I don't know what the fuck's going to (laughs) happen.
0: All right. Well, we've got a little Super Tubos thing coming up, so let's get into that. Super Tubos could be off its
1: schnoz
0: this weekend. I wrote that title. You like that? Off its schnoz? I wasn't sure. I do. Yeah. I didn't know if that was also like a bit of a sardine reference.
1: Mm, No, I don't know. I just, I feel like sometimes I say it, I don't really know why and... It just kind of worked its way into its title. And uh, Paul Evans wrote this. It's a SWOT analysis, which is the strengths, weaknesses, (laughs) opportunities, and threats. I don't think I've seen anybody do that to a CT venue or event before. So, Paul, great work. And
0: then there's a bit of you in there, Mikey. Uh, But Can I also just mention that the featured image on this story, I've stared at that photo for a good five minutes just trying to understand what's happening in the ocean that is the most like captivating photo of just a wave i've seen in a really long time
1: oh my god i've i gotta be honest i saw that thing months ago like the the photographer who shot that is fucking incredible helio antonio is if you want to be jealous that you're not in portugal just follow his page he is brilliant and i think that wave was probably from last december but I remember seeing it; it just stopped me dead in my tracks. And so, when we were building this thing out and getting the imagery for it, I think I actually had like a generic WSL uh, one that we could use. And I was like, nah, I'm
0: getting that wave. Like, I have to hit him up and get that wave." So you just—it makes you think about all the like, like, can I? Could I chip in from that back part? Is it possible to make the drop on the other part? You need to get towed in. Are you going right or left? There's so many. Just, it just, yeah, just your mind spins.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I was wondering like. I don't think I realized how good that wave is until I moved near it. Um, I think it's had it's had some good years on the CT, it's had some rough years in the CT. But when it's good, that wave is so incredible. And I do think the forecast is changing, it's bouncing around a little bit, but basically it looks like Sunday could be pretty damn good. Like we've been posting some of the work the warm-up clips on our site as well. Just there's a really good swell almost a week ago today, last Friday, where it's massive and fairly clean and there are some psycho waves. I think it could be somewhat similar to that. Pretty big. The wind isn't ideal, but there's going to be a ton of swell, light kind of almost offshore winds, a little bit into the rights, and then the afternoon goes a little bit worse, but I think Sunday could be an incredible day there and I am I'm excited. I'm going to go check it out. I'm going to be there in the flesh
0: okay so just question because i'm obviously doing bets again with betonline.ag i've picked my potential winners for this event already i don't think that's going to change much i think you have to pick surfers that are very dynamic and can compete well in a range of conditions that never really changes with portugal but for round one what day do you think they're going to run is it a saturday start or is it a sunday start and am i picking people for tubes or turns or errors or all of the above
1: so I just found this out and I found it surprising. They were, they're going to have a good look tomorrow. Like they've sent a message to the surfers saying like, Hey, be ready. Yeah. You knew the past two days, it's just not running. You know that. But tomorrow they're saying, Hey, we could just try to get some heats out of the way, especially because it's a no losers round. I think they might try to, and it's, it's not great. It'd be more airs, but it'd be pretty hard. I mean, it's wind kind of into the right. So there'd be some crazy air sections, I guess, but definitely not ideal so i'm really interested to see what they do there after that it's pretty much tubes and then sunday you have that bigger day and then it looks like the days that will run early next week they have until next thursday to run there's going to be some north wind which is into the lefts it's like side offshore the lefts open up so with the size of swell and that wind I think it's going to be tubing lefts, maybe some performance, maybe some rights, but the bulk will be tubing lefts if if that forecast holds to be true. One other thing I wanted to call out, I usually felt like I questioned that title before, but I was also questioning like, oh, am I going to jinx it? Like it felt a little bit jinxy to do that. Mm. And I felt this kind of safety blanket in that the WSL is always blamed of being cursed. So I was like, oh, if it goes wrong, it's not my fault. <laughs> like I felt like I had this perfect scapegoat. So that was really good. And then on the betting stuff, I have to share this as well. I've been looking at it, and especially thinking like, okay, if it, if it runs, on one of these bigger tubing days, I really like Joanne Deru. Uh, he's a wild card this event, and if you look at that guy's Instagram or pretty much anything out of France any winter, he just spends his entire winter threading waves that are not dissimilar to super tubos. He's also quite tuned into like those tide changes that some people tend to get messed around with so I had this weird thing where I'm like okay he's used to these big coefficients he's proficient in the coefficient and then he's got Kyle Belly and we're about to publish an interview with him which is really good we'll we'll talk about next week but in that thing he talks about how he's having some herbal tea he's like went all in this year and that includes really he went hard with a nutritionist and he was talking about his experience in Portugal and how he went and had some herbal tea Like he's on this whole crazy program. Right. And so I'm like, Oh, now I really want Kyle. So now in my head this becomes this battle between herbal tea and coefficients. And I'm just, it's such a stupid thing, but these dumb things like herbal tea come into my mind when I try to make a surf bet and it's just bad. (laughs) How do I look at this
0: just like a normal human being like you, you pick Kyle belly. Joanne Drew is not going to beat him. Um, Mm -hmm. One more thing on this. So you live in a terrible place for most of the year for watching surf events. So what is the best strategy for when an event is really outside of your time zone? Like for me, this one's gonna start at who knows, like 1 a.m. or whatever. I'm obviously not gonna stay up all night to watch it. You know, you can scroll through the heat analyzer, but it's hard to get invested in an event like that. Do you have any tips for the people in America who are gonna be struggling to watch Portugal? Uh, yeah I
1: know that sucks it's a hard one because it's nice when like I actually don't mind when I can't watch a full day but at least it's on in my evening when I am more likely to just not be working and have some free time to watch but this one when it's yeah you might only get the tail end of the day it's pretty brutal Um, we'll be doing daily coverage so you won't miss a highlight there and then I mean I'll be doing some more fun stuff from the event which won't really keep you posted and help you invest maybe but it will be fun um, so follow that, follow our site and then, yeah, heat you how to really get into it. Um, probably put money down. That gets you in anything. <laughs> Sorry. I'm not really supposed to plug it. I'm just being honest.
0: Then I won't sleep.
1: Yeah. Well, that's on you. Um, yeah, I would just stay on that heat analyzer and find your ways to get motivated. Watch it. Cause I think it's going to be a good one. It's, it's not an ideal forecast, but sunday holds true then next week has those that wind blowing in the left it should be pretty damn fun to watch so try to try to make it work (laughs) hungover hold downs patent feuds and one in a million malfunctions the story of surfing's inflatable vests all right, this is a deep dive, and there's a lot of puns you could do because it's about inflatable vests, so it's like a deep dive, and it's bringing details to the surface. It's all <laughs> out there, folks. Anyway, it goes from the inception of these products to now, and we have a quick note from the writer, Pedro Ramos, who will break it down, and we'll go into some more detail after that. Let's hear from Pedro. Hey, Buck. For this article, I got in touch with the people responsible for developing and creating personal inflation devices, which are usually deployed on their XXL conditions. I realized that these departments are pretty much running at a loss within their companies as they take a lot of time, resources, and R&D, but good on them for keeping guys safe out there because writing obituaries is never fun or pleasant. Um, there's a lesson in guerrilla philanthropy in there as well straight from the Yvonne Chouinard playbook. And I found out that Shane Dorian is a very, very busy man, but he'll take his time to sit through pre-flight safety demonstrations. I think he actually might enjoy them. All right, I'd say I was fairly close to this one. Like I saw it coming together and for that reason, I'd like to just hear your take on it. Well,
0: you didn't see it coming, I'd imagine. How'd you, how'd you feel about the piece? No, this thing came right up from under me. Well- There it is. <laughs> Um, yeah, this is, this is fascinating, right? Because this is something that has probably, it's, it's impossible to say objectively, but has probably objectively saved lives. And it's so fascinating that like the back half of the story basically comes down to all this patent stuff that seems so beyond the point. And like even Shane Dorian, who you could say is the person mostly responsible for them coming to life is like, yeah, I don't really, that's never what it was about. I'm just happy, you know, it's helped people. Um, So it kind of annoys me, it it makes me think almost of like, all the big pharma stuff, you know, and how people jack these prices up of these pills. On the other hand, I see the flip side of it, it takes so much money and investment to, to make the medicine to cure people that there needs to be some incentive to do that and obviously that's the payoff on the backside so i don't know i guess i got kind of caught up in the weeds of the patent stuff and it annoyed me but the backstory behind how these things came to life the one of those just like simple genius moments where shane's on a plane and you know they talk about those inflatable vests and then he tries one out and it just like works the first time it's pretty brilliant it's crazy yeah
1: it's insane yeah and even breaks down like He got thinking about that because he had a horrible wipeout at Mavericks in 2010, two-wave hold down, and one thing that we brought to the surface here, get it, uh, was that that was the day after the Mavs contest at the time ran, and so both Shane and Cole christensen who also developed the vest of patagonia both had horrible wipeouts that day and both were said to have been celebrating the contest the night before so that's where the hangover hold down comes in i could not imagine anything more brutal we were talking about your bachelor party earlier and just the mix of surfing and partying a hungover hold down sounds brutal to me so i fully get it and then yeah the whole thing about the airline vest that was fascinating um and you you said it before but Sion Miloski died in 2011, and since then, you know, these things were coming about right around the same time, like those early versions, but since Sion, there hasn't been a death of a big wave surfer wearing one of these things. When Marcio Freire died at Nazare a few months ago, he was not wearing an inflatable vest, he was wearing an impact vest, so it's crazy. And I think another thing this story goes into, it's really focused on the whole process of design, but one thing that I feel like really deserves mention, which it's, it's touched upon, but could be its own story. It's just, I don't think it's a coincidence that big wave performance levels have never been higher. Like I think without a doubt, these things gave people the confidence to really push it there. And so that's no coincidence either. These things
0: really changed the game. So what about medium wave performance levels back? I heard that you've uh, actually purchased one of these inflatable vests. Ooh, purchased. No, I used to work at Quicksilver. So, uh,
1: no, (laughs) thank you, pale. Still love you, pale. Um, I have worn the red airlift twice, both times. I think maybe, was it twice? Maybe it was once. um But yeah, as an XXM surfer, I kind of was in a weird position where, you know, it's like you're XXM, you're not going on the big, big days, but I had an impact vest too. That I'm like, the days I was out there, it's like XXM. I think impact vest is the go to. You kind of just feel weird. I shouldn't, it shouldn't be a stigma, but like, fuck, it would just feel weird on, like, a day that isn't that big and, like, the full inflatable. And you'd see people out there doing it and power to them. I wouldn't judge them. I'd just judge myself, I guess, if I did it. So I <laughs> – I, who knows? Who knows? Maybe I'll come back out, but I've been struggling to find – But my, did you pull? I've never pulled, no. I got – you could inflate – that one you could inflate with your mouth before, so it was, like, has the – has essentially what an impact vest would have. You like – you can inflate it as much as you want beforehand. So I did, I think I got caught by one, but it was a super mellow hold down with with that already being inflated. But still you're like, it's an interesting feeling wearing one of those. I think there's also a sense of like, you kind of can't, look, I know it's, I shouldn't be doing the stigma thing, but like if you're wearing a vest in a situation where, say you're the only one wearing the inflatable or say you're the only one wearing an impact on an XXM day, you can't sit on the shoulder. You know what I mean? Like you just fucking can't. So I probably tried to consciously avoid that a bit too. I'd probably be like, oh, well maybe if I just don't wear a vest today or don't wear the inflatable, like I can kind of just sit where I want. I don't have to be the mad dog so deep. So it's a, uh, the story doesn't touch on that, but I'm, I'm happy you asked. Cause it's something that i struggle with. <laughs> the Balter boys get paid, B Corpse boardwriters acquisition, and more. Ooh, we got that surf industry news piece for you a lot here. Um, The first thing that's mentioned is Balter. If you're unfamiliar, that's the Australian beer company that was invested in by people like B. Derbidge, Josh Kerr, Mick Fanning, and Joel Parkinson. Uh, Guess what? They are rich. They're rich. That's all. Um, One, my favorite detail, I think, about that is that bead recently turned 40 and here on this podcast we have a long-standing tradition of me mispronouncing names so not sure if i'm getting this right but bliss and Eso, i didn't know the name but i looked them up and i am very familiar with that sound basically at beads 40th birthday party he had this australian hip-hop group who is burned in my head from i think it was mostly like billabong movies from like Australia in the early 2000s, but their sound was right there in my head. I was like, oh, those guys. So yeah, it was like, what, there's stepping stones and that adds up and frothing, yeah, get into there. The idea of these people playing at Bede's house, it just made me so happy. So we're very happy for them. Mikey, anything about that that
0: stuck out to you? Uh, it just made me think, should we start a beer company? I mean, we could go stab in the dark ale, Ooh. stab high life. Ooh! The the opportunities are unlimited. Wow!
1: Wow! I mean, hey, it seemed to work for Saint Archer, and uh, Balter just got paid. So I don't know who we'd host at our party. We'd have to sort through that, but I'm sure we can find somebody. All right. Another thing that worked its way into that headline: B Corps. If you don't know what a B Corp is, I wish it was easy to explain. I'm gonna try my best. Basically, Benefit Corporation is this nonprofit that gives your business a certain certification or label that you could claim that's widely recognized and you have to benefit. So to get this certification, they'll do a deep dive, look at pretty much every single thing that you have. And a company needs to show value for non A company needs to show value for non shareholding stakeholders, such as their employees, the local community and the environment. Once a firm crosses a certain performance threshold on these dimensions, they get that certification. I know that this process is massive. Um, There were talks of Quicksilver, I don't know if it was specific to Quicksilver or if it was through all board riders, but pursuing this, doing at least the early stages of it when I was there, that was two years ago. Um, So this is a huge thing. The companies that, Patagonia has already been a B Corp certified company. Uh, Rip Curl and Creatures both recently joined that club. So there's nothing bad you could say about this. This is just awesome. This is surf companies stepping up and showing that, hey, we don't want to just find ways to uh, stain pieces of cotton and get money from people. We want to actually benefit things like the community, their employees, the environment. So this is fucking great. What else we got here? Board Riders acquisition. Nothing huge to report there. We're just hearing, hearing that the sale is potentially... In the works basically since last fall board riders group which owns quicksover Bongruka, their parent company oak tree capital have been shopping them around we heard that something might be coming there and it may be authentic brands group we'll see once anything actually happens we'll have a deep dive so just whispers well but
0: it's worth noting that like the two companies that we're looking at buying board riders that we know of are blue star who own hurley and abg who own Volcom. And one of the things we were talking about, you know, within our circle is just like, look at the difference of how, you know, those two brands have shot out after that sale. Like, Hurley's definitely gone more of the non endemic route and they're going into, you know, like different products and services that aren't really related to surfing. Whereas Volcom, at least from what I've seen, has remained kind of true to surf. So uh, there is a big difference it's not just like oh they're gonna get bought it's like who buys them kind of determines their brand trajectory mm. in a way mm. yeah so i guess we'll
1: see we'll see it will definitely determine that i think it has huge implications no matter what happens so once anything goes through we will have a story and more that's in the title too some sponsorship shakes julian wilson and matthias hurdy are off red bull Kolohe Dino is off Oakley. So a few things there. The most surprising one there for me was Mateus Herdy and Red Bull. Um, that's a bummer. I was I was stunned by that. I don't know what the deal is there, but I think he's so impressive. He's a great kid. Um, he's gonna be fine. He's still got Quicksilver. He's still got support. I'd be so surprised if you don't see him on tour in the next few years. And he just seemed like the type of talent that Red Bull would want in their mix. So a bit of a surprise there. The rest, yeah, Julian and Kolohe are both, you know, Well, Julian's not on tour anymore and Kolohe is getting older. So I guess uh, not a huge, huge surprise to me. What do you think?
0: Uh, I agree. Yeah, Mateus was definitely a surprising one. Um, yeah, Julian on Red Bull doesn't make sense. He doesn't even compete anymore. Kolohe and Oakley... Whatever, it's sunglasses. There was a funny little anecdote um, that after Kolohe and Oakley split, is he went to go and buy a pair of Ray-Bans, presumably for the first time in 15 years. And uh, he was all stoked because he, he wanted these glasses and he got them and then somebody told him that uh, Ray-Bans is actually owned by the same company that owns Oakley. So he was really bummed and said, fuck, I can't believe I just gave my money back to these people. <laughs> but to be fair, in the glasses <laughs> world pretty much every glasses brand is owned by Luxottica. So there's no real getting away from that one. Yeah,
1: yeah. Well, that's funny. And a few more little sponsorship things which didn't work their way into the story, but we've just heard. Um, both Zeke Lau and Leo Fioravanti have found new clothing sponsors. I would read them aloud right now, but you've not heard of either of them. Uh, they're smaller brands. <laughs> both seem pretty regional, Hawaii based and Europe based. Um, both those guys were on Quicksilver. Leo for much much longer than Zeke, but Zeke still had a good few run, or Zeke still had a good few years there. Um, look, I'm sure. Actually, I can't speak for these guys. I mean, I talked to Leo shortly after the Quicksilver thing went through, and his head. He's got a great head on his shoulders, and he was in a great place. That he's like, hey, I, I had great time with them. Like, wish could wish I could continue, but I've got other opportunities. And yeah, so he finally. He it sounded like he had deals on the table then, but he just was gonna he wasn't in a rush to sign anything. So I guess what's happened with this one, K way, I'll say it. Um he seemed to like it. Felt like time, so that is now on his nose. And in general, I wouldn't be surprised if this starts happening more and more. I wouldn't be surprised if you start seeing smaller brands on more noses, especially if there's I'm just gonna throw some shit out there now, but I do feel like it's already kind of went this way a bit. And I feel like more and more you'll probably see brands only having one or two top tier athletes and not really caring to like, it seemed like for a while there was like, get as many CT surfers as you can. Um, I don't know if brands really see a ton of value that anymore. <laughs> like, you know, it's, it's, it seems like it's more, more money going to the top few and less spread out. So I wouldn't be surprised to see more for signing with smaller brands what do you think mike yeah
0: i honestly think it like confuses your marketing when you have a bunch of top people at the top like i don't know you even think of billabong was making that trilogy film you know the new trilogy film and you've got ethan and griffin and seth and the fact they left isn't really the point but it's like you you have those three guys but then you have your only world champ is not even part of that Equation, you know what I mean, in, in Italo. So it's just, I think that if you can narrow, go narrow and deep and like just really hone in on the, the three surfers that matter to your brand the most, I think that's actually a better strategy overall. Granted, I don't know anything about uh, brands or finance, but to me that makes the most sense. I'd rather have like three people that are really strong on your team than just like this generally good broad team.
1: I agree, and let's see. I Like I said, I wouldn't be surprised if more of this, especially seeing more I mean, Leo's is completely non-endemic. They're a brand that you may not have heard of, but that doesn't mean they're a small brand. They're big over here. It's just not that they are in surf. They're using him. I mean, he's a mainstream athlete in Italy, Europe. So different. And I think we'll see more of that. So anyway, that's surf industry stuff. Let's get to the next one. True story. Jeremy and the Kid. Uh if you haven't seen this video, I feel bad for you. Actually, no, I feel happy for you because you are about to experience it for the first time, which is incredible. Last week, we dropped the Sterling Spencer documentary, Are You Serious?, about his life and specifically his brain injury and his suffering with that and his road back. But a big part of Sterling's rise he had a lot of great shit it wasn't a big part but one of the probably the most popular things that he did was dubbed over this video of a kid trying to get jeremy Flores' autograph on the beach of J bay it's hilarious um
0: i still laugh at it mikey do you remember seeing that for the first time oh my god yeah it's seared into my memory i can pretty much recite the whole thing from memory whatever it is 10 13 years later uh let's hear a bit of it we have to we have to hear it Jeremy! Jeremy! Wait up! Jamie! It's me!
1: Billy! Jamie, Hold on! Can I please have your signature? Please, I ran from over there so far! Shoo shoo! My knees! They sting! Go on! Go on! Read some books! Oh. Read some books! <laughs> um. So, what? This is a short video featuring Dave Malcolm, the man who made "Are You Serious" and also made that Jeremy Flores Sterling clip. He just tells the whole story behind it. I think it'd be unsatisfying if we reveal it here, like the reason why this video happened or why Jeremy wasn't giving this kid his the autograph. Like, I just I feel like you have to experience it through this video. It's just gonna fall flat here. So,
0: go check it out. Um am i wrong to feel that way do you think we should tell people I no i think they should go watch it absolutely it's it's short i think the only thing this video is missing is jeremy's thoughts on the matter all these years later cuz it's been so long and he was obviously so mad about it in the moment which i also don't really understand like i, I guess some people have said that you know, maybe some, like, media sources or whatever actually, like, took it seriously and, you know, wrote articles about him not giving a kid an autograph, and I guess I get that, but I also, like, how do you not just find that, like, how can you not laugh at yourself? Like, that's just a fucking hilarious video.
1: Yeah, I don't know, I guess there is the side of it where some people thought it was serious, and then the other side of it is just like, I guess, Sterling made fun of everybody and everything, but still that's, you know, he's he's making fun of you. He's targeting you as a as a something for humor so yeah i get why he was angry i think i feel like maybe i talked to him about it in our chat but it wasn't too compelling to include in the interview i don't know if it made it in the final interview but i think he's obviously made peace with it i know him and sterling have
0: made peace so that got resolved but did they make war first though was there was there ever like an actual altercation from
1: what i understand yes at surfer pole one year um don't know if it's one of those just long-standing rumors but that's definitely what i heard so but yeah incredible read some books and it is almost time for the surf sin but before we get there we will talk about what's coming next i hinted at it last week but our first stab edit of the year entry is coming it is from jacob wilcox it'll be on the site next week how surfer get how servers get paid episode six we're looking to publish that on thursday and then mike we may have touched on it here but you've got a deeper dive into overlapping heats basically we were hearing some stuff about overlapping heats and a little bit of of controversy almost um so you decided to sniff around that and from what i understand it's been interesting so far it's not been the result that i thought not the result i desired no i desire the result but maybe not there's not a thought. How's that been working on that so far?
0: Really interesting. Yeah, just getting surfers' perspectives on it. They have some really interesting anecdotes that I'm excited to share. And then also talking to some coaches to get their thoughts on it. Because it's basically like what it comes down to is, no surfer has any experience in overlapping heats until they get on the CT. And then they're just like thrust into this environment where the rules have completely changed and you have to figure out a totally new strategy to figure out how to get through heats. So we basically got everybody's thoughts on that and it'll be coming probably sometime in the middle of the Portugal event as they're running overlapping heats, Mm -hmm. hopefully. Mm -hmm. Oh, and on that note, you'll also see a piece
1: from me. I have some fun ideas of how to describe the scene on the beach at a WSL event. So I got something in the works too. Now it's time for a surf scene all right we have got isaiah here and this is a new type of surf sin we talk always about the categories always about this that i know we have another dog one coming i hope dogs become a category i think that'd be a funny genre of surf sin but this is a completely new one so let's hear what isaiah has to say
0: what's up stop I have a surf for you. So basically, uh, I get my dad to film me because I like making edits all the time. So the this house of films. Um, And if he misses one of my clips, which he always does, and it seems like it's always my best, clip I get mad at him. And I know I shouldn't because every time I film, I always miss, or at least it seems like I miss a lot of clips. And yeah, I still get mad at my dad for missing one of my clips. And it's not cool. It's hypocritical, but I still do it every time, and I don't. I can't stop. So, give me a penance, please. Help me out. Um, no, thank you. I'll okay. do. Ah! Well, first of all, I can empathize. I think um, you know, like I've been filmed. My dad used to film me when I was a kid, and now I get filmed for other things. And there is a certain level of just like it's like frustration and disappointment when you know that you did something good for once in your fucking life and, and somebody was on the beach that was having a camera that was supposed to be pointed at you and it either wasn't or they were doing the reverse record thing or something fucked up yeah it's a great trick that one moment that yeah it's it was so it. i understand the frustration um but in my life i've matured i hope a little bit and now when it happens there's 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 still that instant of like Oh, fuck you. But then you got to reel it back in. You got to reel it back in and you got to realize that they're doing something very nice for you that probably, in my case, certainly, nobody should be filming knee surf. That's a waste of everybody's time realistically. But somebody's still out there doing it. They're in the hot sun or in the cold, whatever it is. So you can't be mean to filmers. They're doing their best. They're never missing clips on purpose. I promise you it, it hurts them as well. Um, the worst instance that I ever saw this, I don't think I ever got to this level. I was at Waco one time And this uh, kid, they had the air section running. And he didn't air. And his dad was supposed to be filming on the beach. And I don't know how exactly it was communicated, but the kid found out that his dad didn't get the air. And he paddled back out and he was sobbing. Like, tears were streaming down his face. And I was like, oh my god. Like, this is... (laughs) Like, (laughs) kid, if you ever want to... First of all, you're in a wave pool. Just do it again. You get the same section every single time. Um, And also, like... I didn't tell him this, but I kind of wanted to tell him this because he he had a few stickers on his board and it was clear that, you know, he was like a kid that was trying to become a pro surfer or whatever. And I was like, look, man, I wanted to say this, but I didn't. But I wanted to be like, look, man, if you want to be a pro surfer, like this doesn't matter at all. Like that air you just did, like, sure, maybe it would go on your Instagram and it would get a few likes and comments. But like big picture, man, just keep surfing, keep getting better, keep having fun. That's how you're going to get to where you want to be. This little moment means absolutely nothing. So that's my take on it overall. Um, As far as a penance goes, I also um, I see that this kid actually on top of uh, Surfing himself. He also makes little surf clips So what I want you to do so you can experience the other side of that is I want you to go down to the beach and I want you to film at a spot where you know, there are good surfers and good waves and when I need you to do this five times when somebody comes in uh, and you're going to go up to them and just holding your camera. You're going to say, man, I saw that really good one you got, but I'm sorry. I missed it. And you just get to see that disappointment in their face and you get to experience it from the other side. And I think that would help your maturity. I think you'd mature a lot faster than I did. And that kid in the pool did. So I think that'd be good for mm, your growth. Mm. Okay. I like that. That was wholesome. Very
1: good, Mikey. Uh, and I'm happy that you just laid that all out as you did. Cause I'm going to, we're going to end up in a similar territory, but I'm going to go at it from a different angle. And I'm not a father yet, maybe one day, but all I could think is like, okay, imagine you have this kid, you got to feed it, you're doing all these things. And then to top it all off, you're on the beach filming it. And then you're standing there, your ankles hurt anyway, like that kid in the Jeremy clip. And, um, you happen to miss one wave and you're getting, you're getting berated I can't have this. No, I'm not. I'm not down for that. So um, my penance is for him to, like you said, get down to the beach with the camera. He needs to film his dad. Um, He needs to film his father. And then, like you said, he's an editor. He's going to be a little bit confused by this term, but you have to make your dad a sponsor me tape. (laughs) I know that that does not exist in a day and age where you just put everything on instagram and that's how somebody assesses your level of talent and potential worth to their brand but a sponsor me tape you need to p- compile your dad's best clips whether it's just from that one session or how many however many sessions you want to film put a nice little intro in it saying like getting some of his stats out there and just send it to brands and try to get them sponsored uh, post it on your own thing as well but you need to make him a full video the goal, which I think is doable, is to get him sponsored. <laughs> and what I mean by that is, like, somebody will send this man a T-shirt. If you make him this real, somebody will at least send him a, a T-shirt and a sticker, and that's the only level of sponsorship we're seeking
0: here. But get your dad sponsored. That's it. Okay, that's a really, really good one as well. Um, and I just want to – my other public service announcement for this one is do not film your kids surfing, If your kid's good enough at surfing, somebody else will want to film them. The sponsored thing will happen. Like, if you're a parent, go surf with your kids. Go have fun. Make memories that way. Don't create this weird dynamic. Just go surf with your kids. It's way better for everyone involved. Yeah, I like that. And get your dad sponsored, everybody. Thank you as always for listening to the drop. And again, if you have a surf synth of your own, please send them to us at Michael, michael at stabmag.com or buck at stabmag.com. Uh, we prefer videos. We are going to be doing something very interesting with them on Instagram in short time, so I would really recommend doing it that way. And also, since we recorded this podcast, there's actually been an update on the whole B Corp situation. We talked about Creatures of Leisure and Rip Curl getting that status. And actually, just today, it was announced that Pizel also reached that status. So they're the first board company to achieve it. So basically, we have a board company, we have a hard goods company with Creatures of Leisure, and then we have a, I guess you'd call them a soft goods company with Rip Curl. They kind of make everything. But anyway, the surf world is... Uh, It's going B, I guess? It's going green? I don't know. Whatever you want to call it. But that's what's going on in the circle this week. Portugal's going to be starting any minute, so I hope you're watching. I hope you have a better time zone than I do. And until next week, over and out.